This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Robert O'Reilly. My name is Gowron. Honor to you and your house. You're listening to Trek FM. P.O. Grey Hot. Welcome to another episode of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Amy Nelson, and finally joined with me today are both my co-hosts, Lee Hutchison and Richard Marquez. Lee and Richard, I don't want to get too sappy, but I seriously have missed podcasting with you. I'm so glad we are all three together. It's been too long. I know we all have busy lives, but I just wanted to say hello. Welcome back. I'm glad we are all here. Yeah, I'm glad. And like yesterday, I was making up the schedule for the next few months for our episodes, and I was so glad to see so many episodes. I was like, we're all going to be back together uninterrupted for a good few months. Like, it's just been a crazy month. Like, yeah, like I had a couple Sundays in a row where I was like running marathons and like the idea of going home and doing anything other than having a a, a long bath seemed too much so I've had to make do with listening to you guys from the the listeners point of view so you guys Justin Patrick uh, you've all been been brilliant to listen to as a listener so I'm glad to be back in on the the other side yeah it was actually a pretty good break too because I certainly needed it (laughs) but yeah it was it was good uh, to be off but at the same time yeah I kind of missed it I was Sad, but I like. Hey, I I wore my Trek FM shirt so uh, during my family's barbecue, so we're good. <laughs> yes, I saw that posted. That was great to see representing. Yes, yeah, it's gonna be a hit and miss with me because now uh, school is out for the summer. Woohoo! And so I'll be taking a few trips here and there. So. But we are very excited. All three of us um, are going to be doing our unsung episodes for season four. Now, if you remember, we um, decided to celebrate Next Gen, their 30th anniversary, by highlighting some episodes that don't get as much love as we feel they should. So we each have come up with a list of three episodes for season four. And we've all agreed that uh, the loved ones are best of both worlds, family, uh, redemption. So we're not going to include those, include those fan favorites. Um, but we do have a list of three episodes and two honorable mentions just in case uh, there are some duplicates, which has happened in the past. You guys have stolen a couple of mine, if I do recall. 
It's quite a bold, uh, bold accusation to make there, uh, Amy. Yeah. You'll be finding you'll be podcasting alone again after this. You'll just, you, it'll just be me and Richard. You'll be, uh, you'll just have to make do with being in the Babel conference instead. <laughs> well, I do believe that uh, it's on the record. If uh, the listeners will remember and go back, go back a couple <laughs> episodes. So um, I'm very excited, and I found that season four was actually a little bit difficult to find an episode that fans don't really like because season four, every single episode, I was like, oh my, all the fans love this. So I'm excited to hear your list and to see why you included them. And so Richard, why don't you start us off with uh, your season four? Okay. Um, so I was also having the same problem because, and you know, the way I was thinking about this whole list was, what would Lee pick? What would Amy pick? So, of course, I steered away from the Troy stories. And, uh, <laughs> I do that every funny, time funny. I watch The Next Generation anyway. <gasps> Lee! You're so bad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, um, I, so I chose In Theory. Um, basically, uh, an attempt, a uh, failed, well, uh, I guess an attempt and uh, also failed attempt at um, data uh, going into a love romance. Um, and you know how difficult it is for him to. I mean, obviously, you can't you can't create a program to to uh, predict the unpredictability of a relationship, especially when you're reading another partner's. I mean, you know, some of it's intuition, and you know, some of it's also, you know, yeah. It, it, I mean, it is your protocol, like you know. If your girlfriend says, you know, <laughs> go back to your baby, you don't. <laughs> I don't like, I don't like uh, it reminds me so much of my past relationships and even Jennifer sometimes of like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. I probably should have sat there and listened to her and whatnot. But yeah, it's a great episode. I love it. I, I love how um, just I mean, you can definitely tell um, Brent Spiner's acting ability when he's like saying would you like another drink dear would you like to do this dear and i just couldn't stop laughing when i saw that part it's just like it, it's it's great his range i mean his range of uh, acting is fantastic and it can change on a dime apparently and then of course you have the b story where they get stuck in a strange anatomy but yeah whatever <laughs> that always happens yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's an episode i've not watched in quite a long time it seems to kind of sandwich between kind of uh, quite a few good episodes it kind of goes from mind's eye then that into redemption and it's always one i probably just skip to just get that further ahead in the story so i think i'm due uh, a bit of a rewatch on it yeah i like it too and i always remember the scene at the end is just so heartbreaking and and, and you're right brent spiner pulls it off being the android that he is with no emotions of okay well i don't need this program anymore i'm just going to delete it and and you're just like oh my gosh I, I don't know, maybe there have been some relationships where I wish I could just delete that whole file and not even think about it again. Was that with an Irish landlord, was it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, and I, I like that. You know, I, I wish we could we, we could all do. But then again, you know you wouldn't learn or grow from uh from that experience either so i i that's that's probably the only thing i didn't like about it was that i really wish they would have said you know like i would keep it and it'll grow and maybe we'll see something later on down the road maybe i mean or not it doesn't really matter but you know it's you know i mean learn from the experience and yeah grow from it i guess it doesn't have to be deleted 
Yeah, we definitely don't have that opportunity. So we learn from it or just repeat the mistakes, right? Right, exactly. (laughs) That is great. Yes, listeners, go watch In Theory. Uh, That is a very good pick. All right, Lee, give us one from your list. Yeah, I've gone for Final Mission. Um, On his way to Starfleet Academy, Wesley Crusher must care for an injured Captain Picard after the shuttle crashes on a deserted moon. Um, The reason I've picked this is with all my kind of picks, I always try and pick something where it just stands out for maybe a different reason or something a bit obtuse. And I think this one kind of stands out kind of in all the 700 plus episodes of Star Trek is apart from... um, Jadzia Dax, we and uh, Kess, we've not had a character to date that's left the series. Well, kind of Tasha Yar, obviously, but kind of it's very rare that we get these episodes where a character leaves the show and they they come off from the opening credits. I mean, some people could say that about Pulaski, but she wasn't in the opening credits. But Wesley Crusher, this is always kind of a, a rare thing when it happens in Star Trek. You know, the fact it's only happened five times and this is its um, second time. So it's always good to see how Star Trek goes with writing out characters out of the series, and sometimes it goes well, maybe. Um, but most of the time, they don't seem to kind of pack too much of a punch there. I kind of think of Tasha Yar's death, and I quite like it for the kind of savageness and the randomness of it. Um, and then you've got, say, Jadzia Dax's death, which is quite kind of a bit overly dramatic with that they're going to have this kid and then 30 minutes later she dies um, and then kind of Kess I think that's a really good exit and um, yeah various things like that so with Final Mission it's one of a few kind of episodes where someone's leaving so it's kind of interesting to view it like that and I think it's a fine episode and um, I, I think Wesley by this stage of the series wasn't really contributing much to the story that I think during his sort of younger days kind of season one season two and three he was contributing to kind of the escapades or the problem solving but it seemed to be that when he got that red uniform and got behind Con, that there's very little things for him to do and I could see why someone like Will Wheaton would say kind of enough's enough I want to get out there and contribute to movies and other TV shows so yeah Final Mission's a, a rare episode of Star Trek you know it's it's rarer than you know episodes about nebulas and whatever that we've got someone that's leaving mid-series and is that a success is it not I mean he does come back in various episodes but he's still being written off and it's an interesting way that he goes. He goes off to Starfleet Academy, which makes sense. And he has this mission where he saves Picard again. It kind of has a nice parallel between uh, this and... I can't remember the name of the episode off the top of my head where it's got the Pakleds. So it's it's a nice little mirror there where they're kind of both together again. And I would love if Picard was kind of played up maybe more of the surrogate role dad with Wesley. But that that's a minor complaint, really. So, yeah, I think it's a, an overlooked episode. So one thing I love about this episode is Wesley leaves the show. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> goodness gracious. No, I'm not a big fan of Wesley, but I mean, it, it to give to, to be fair on this episode, it actually was really, it really was a pretty good episode. Um, you know, it to me, when they, when they made the change uh, from him going to gray to red, I, it seemed awkward to me. Um, I don't know, because maybe I'm not used to him in red, but like uh, it just it just seemed awkward because, um, you know, he's not in a sense 
part i mean he is part of the crew but he's not you know sort of thing officially by uh starfleet but whatever it doesn't matter but um yeah it was a really good uh send-off episode i really do enjoy this episode uh quite a bit uh it's it definitely shows um how much he's matured since the beginning um and uh yeah it's it's really good yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were just talking, uh, did the June round table and talking about how Pulaski never really had that send off, you know, and really she should have, I mean, she was a great character that was on for a season and, you know, she definitely could have had a better send off and, uh, you know, sort of c- continued her story in our mind instead of, Oh, here's Beverly Crusher, no mention of Pulaski again. So this is, I think rare for TNG. Uh, the, yeah, he's going off to Starfleet. And so in our mind, he's just there and his story continues, you know, while we watch, uh, the Enterprise D continue. Yeah. So, well, and Picard expects Wesley, you know, cause they crash land. And so they have to find, um, cover from the harsh weather and sun and stuff. And so then they go into these caves and you can really see Picard, um, putting a lot of expectations on Wesley and and needing him to step up. And I, I like that relationship. I think you mentioned, you know, that surrogate father type of thing, but also a commanding officer. And I think he really teaches Wesley a lot of uh, characteristics of what makes a leader. And so this, for that, I like this episode a lot. So my first one, and uh, don't laugh, but this one, I don't think wait, gets... Wait, 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 wait. It's a Troy story? <laughs> well, yes, it happens to be. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead, go ahead. But I don't think this one gets any love, and that is Night Terrors. And if you forgot this one, this is the one where uh, the Enterprise um, meets up with the, uh, they get stuck in the Tycan's Rift and the USS Britain. Britain, Britain, Britain. anyways, and yeah, Britain. And, uh, there is one survivor on the ship and happens to be, um, Betazoid like Troy. And so she gets in his mind and then we have this, the amazing quote, eyes in the dark, one moon circles. That's so funny. I don't, I don't like that part of it, but what I do like about it is, um, it's a fun little mystery, right? They're trying to get the USS Britain back together and get it operational. And, and they try all these things and it doesn't work. And then the crew starts acting out and then Crusher realizes that there's, everyone's getting, no, is not getting their sleep, their REM sleep. And I just think how irritable I know I get when I don't get any sleep. And I notice my patience with my students is um, much less than it should be. And it's like, oh, I need to get some sleep. And so for me, it's just pretty uh, relatable in that uh, aspect of it. But I like the fun mystery of it. And of course, Troy's part, and she realizes that they need to send in oxygen and another example of Data saving the day. And he gets command of the ship because everyone's losing their mind. And so it's another good uh, Data and Troy story. So what do you guys think about Night Terrors? I I really like it quite a lot. I think it's definitely such a moody episode. and It's kind of got that kind of, you're used to 
kind of the, uh, the next generation being such a brightly lit show and with this it's got really quite moody and it's kind of got that it plays on some of the horror tropes and yeah I, you know it's easy to mock Troy kind of swimming through the, the nebula as it were but I think it looks really quite good and it's definitely an episode of um Star Trek that I think kind of stands out and yeah I really like it I've never had any problems whatsoever with this it's a a, a hidden gem I, I definitely agree so I haven't seen this episode in a very long time and I remember the reason why uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, I just remembered it so the Pertain um, morgue where the bodies all stand up yes yeah I remember that when I first time ever watching that freaked me out <laughs> but like yeah it's a really good episode I really enjoyed this episode um it uh yeah it, it just yeah it just reminded me of that because I was like scrolling through it I'm like oh yeah that's the one where the bodies uh, start setting up and you know. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Lee. It is that moody and yeah, and like you're saying, those bodies pop up. I mean, that's that's some uh, horror going on right there. Yeah. <laughs> so I did in, um, you know, refreshing my memory and doing a little bit of research, I did notice or I did see that the USS Bretagne is the same model as the USS Reliant in the Wrath of Khan. Thought I yep. would bring that up for um, so that people don't think that I know nothing about TOS. <laughs> it's my facade. Is it working? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got me. It's only if Zach and Ken uh, can buy into the, your 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 charade. Yeah. <laughs> Uh. Yeah, good. All right. So, uh, Richard, give us another one on your list. I did an episode review for this uh, when we were doing From There to Here, and it is The Wounded. Oh. Love this episode. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't hear anyone really talk about this episode because it's kind of, I mean, it, it it gives a great background story to what's go- oh, the, the conflict between the Cardassians and the Federation. And yeah, I guess I don't really think they talk about Bajor. Um, really, but it's more, it was, it's more, well, they do, they talk about the conflict, but really that's about it. But like one of the things I really love about this episode is that it's, you know, it, it you, you talk about like being on the front lines and, uh, the the politics even within even uh, even within the front lines um it's it's very dynamic and you definitely uh i mean you're in the wilderness i mean you can't you can't really you got to rely on your own instincts and um how uh was it the phoenix yeah yeah yeah, i'm sorry the so the how the how the phoenix responds to what they see is uh, to me is just I mean it was like yeah I'd probably freak out and, and probably start destroying ships if I knew that they were doing something you know shady or something like that and no one was listening to me listening to me you know higher up or anything like that so but yeah I love this episode it's great uh, and it's too bad we don't get to see uh, a nebula cast starship in combat but that'd be great <laughs> yeah so yeah, I, I also love this episode. It was on my honorable mentions list. Um, Justin Ozer will be uh, after you, though, because they don't mention Bajor in this episode. It doesn't get mentioned until uh, Ensign Row um, in, in the following season. So, um, yeah, be careful. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, didn't we? We talked about this because this is the one with 
uh, Captain Maxwell, right? Is right. That, this is more. Yeah. yeah. This was more the uh, introduction of the Cardassians than anything else. Yeah. So um, we talked about this when we did our lead in to Deep Space Nine, right? We covered. I just yeah. talked about it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We did. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. This definitely uh, gets into those messages of you know revenge and hating one's enemy and can you ever forgive and you know the purposes behind it definitely a very very good episode i like it yeah awesome all right lee you're up um i've gone for an episode i love of the uh, season uh, season four and i think it's it's probably in the top 10 of the next generation season but i picked it for a different reason is the mind's eye and the mind's eye oh. marks the uh, directing debut of who at this point was just a kind of associate producer on the show david livingston um, and he would go on to be the biggest producer of uh, directing content on star trek period he only did like a couple episodes on the next generation and then did about 17 for deep space nine over 20 for um for voyager um, and about 10 or so for enterprise um and with kind of you look at kind of his kind of catalogue of episodes you know dr bashir i presume you cordially invited the maquis the die is cast deadlock future's end killing game equinox which i'm sure richard has just been triggered off there power play and the visitor he's directed some of the best episodes of star trek period and this was his kind of first entry way into it and you look at this episode and it's got such a cinematic kind of experience to watching it like everything feels big you know from the Romulan warbird appearing in the the little screen and to the kind of the assassination attempt and you know the echoes of the Manchurian candidate there's just so much awesome stuff going on in this episode and David Livingston you know takes what is a really good script and really you know sells it as this big cinematic episode that and a key episode in this Romulan civil war uh, this Klingon uh, civil war arc that's really starting to kick off now yeah I got nothing I, I he said everything I wanted to say <laughs> so this is the one where Jordy gets taken right yeah Jordy gets taken hostage by the Klingons and gets essentially set up to be the kind of the the Manchurian candidate he's he's going to uh, assassinate this minor Klingon um ambassador that could you know and doing this could kick start kind of a war um so the romulans are fairly being duplicitous in the background so yeah um it's a it's a it's a classic as far as i'm concerned all right well i would like to um share with you my second choice and um oh my gosh it happens to be another troy episode imagine no, that shocking <laughs> <laughs> No, but I like this um, also because there's some math in there that I wanted to highlight. So if you can guess, it is the loss. And this is the one where the Enterprise D is caught up in a group of uh, two-dimensional life forms. And because of that, Troy loses her her empathic powers. And... um, what so I like this episode for a lot of reasons. Number one, it's very memorable to me um, because when you when they're in the conference room and they're like finally figured out that they're trapped in this two dimensional space 
and they have the diagram there. It is so awesome. And it just like, it, it clicks in my math brain. Like, you know, you've got length and width, but there's no height. And, and here we are. So you don't see the enterprise. It is an actual, just a oval or depending on what part of the saucer you're in, you know, a circle oval, whatever. And so, and it's being, this enterprise D is being taken, taken along for this ride. And they're trying to figure out how to do it. Have you guys seen the movie Flatland with Martin Sheen and Kristen Bell? It's an animated film. Oh, okay. You guys really need to see Flatland. Um, it's a great math movie, but also it's got some social commentary on um, like different classes and socioeconomic status. But anyways, it talks about how like if the people and again, it's animated, the people are geometric shapes. So you have your circles, your squares and your triangles, and they each represent a different socioeconomic, um, you know, SES is what we call it in education. And um, so it's based off of a, a book written by Edwin A. Abbott in from 1884, an 1884 novel. And so these shapes, two-dimensional shapes, they come across this three-dimensional sphere. But when the sphere interacts with it, you only see the circle because they have no way of seeing this. And I love that movie because then it's like, well, we are three-dimensional beings. What's What do we see if we encounter a fourth-dimensional being? I love thinking about that. So what I like about the loss is that here we have three-dimensional beings, the Enterprise D and everyone in it, and then it's going down a dimension to this two-dimensional life forms. And I like that parallelism of, you know, talking about uh, instinct versus reasoning and how like reasoning would be our third dimension, like how we live and how we think. But then to go down to a two dimensional being like, what is what are they doing? They're rec they recognize that it's instinct and how we all have instinct and that that's sort of that lower dimension. And then we have reasoning as the higher dimension. I feel the smart, all the more smarter for that conversation. Hold on, let me go get my uh, whiteboard and I'll write it all out. Let <laughs> <laughs> me click the dots. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's cool. I like that. Uh, yeah, I would love to know, listeners, if you have seen um, the movie Flatland. Um, it's very, very good. There's also a Flatland Squared, Flatland 2, but it's squared, you know, it's cute. Um, <laughs> okay, so I also love this episode for another reason, and um, I am want to sort of tie it in with Wonder Woman because I just saw that movie. Um, but... So Troy goes through her loss and going through those stages of denial and anger and, you know, because she has lost something that that I think she relies on and she goes through this process where she doesn't have it. And so she's she's questioning her ability as a counselor and and who she is as a person. And I, we can see throughout the episode that she learns that her being 
Betazoid and having this empathic ability is not who she is and that she really is because of her training, her knowledge, her inner strength can still be a good counselor and not have it based on this one ability that she that she has. And what I saw with that and why I wanted to relate it to Wonder Woman um, is that when they talk about the God Slayer, sorry if there's anyone who hasn't seen Wonder Woman yet. Um, and who hasn't she seen that movie? <laughs> I know, I'm sure everyone on the Babel Conference has or anyone listening. Um, but when Diana thinks that the God Slayer is the sword, right? And she puts her belief and and faith in this sword. And then when it gets destroyed and she's like, oh my gosh, I thought this was her ability, you know, and just like Troy thought her having, uh, her empathic ability was who she was. No, you find your inner strength. And we see that in Wonder Woman with Diana, where she realizes, oh, I'm the God Slayer. It's not based on something external that it comes from within. I just think is a very strong and powerful message for us all. And so that's why I like the loss. I haven't seen it in so, so long. Uh, that's another episode you've you've convinced me. It's very much unsung because, hey, I'm, I, I can't remember the last time I watched it. So I can't really comment <laughs> properly. Yeah, when I when I was browsing through the episodes, uh, the only thing I remembered about this episode was the one. This is the episode where you know Troy loses all her abilities and goes through a state of panic and just tells me that she failed uh, counseling school. Is <laughs> she should be leaning on all that stuff? But like, um, yeah, it definitely shows that how dependent she was on the empathetic uh, or yeah her empathic. Um, uh, abilities and how how much she leaned on it and yeah that could definitely be something um, that could be learned from uh, to uh, have that ability suppressed and you have to rely on everything I mean it, it definitely uh, it would be good training to adapt um, I wouldn't I, I mean I wouldn't doubt it if something like that I don't know if they could do it suppress your abilities for like training or whatever or whatnot but um, yeah I mean that's the all I remember but I didn't I don't remember the math part and and all that, I don't have to come. I'll, I'll have to go back and look because I really didn't. I don't. That's because I, I haven't seen this in a very long time. Um, that's all I remember was the whole her missing her uh, her empathic powers. Yes. Well, then uh, my job here is done. Definitely go watch the loss again. <laughs> Miss Amy said so. <laughs> With a roar. And, she and just if you can, yes, watch <laughs> Flatland too, because it's really good. It's just real short. Um, I can put the link on the show notes that will get you to it. So. And today's homework is. <laughs> <laughs> There's your homework, everyone. All right, Richard, give us a third episode on your list. Okay, so I love this episode for its uh, comedy because uh, it's... I could see this being played on Earth. Uh, <laughs> it's First Contact. <laughs> oh. I, I love this episode. It's everything a reconnaissance mission goes wrong. When it goes, everything goes wrong. <laughs> and it just, it's so much, it, I mean, uh, Frakes' uh, uh, acting is perfect on this. He's like, is she, the, the, sci- or the scientist is asking, oh, what is her name? Jakara, is that, is that J- Jakara? Oh, I'm sorry. It's questioned by um, Dr. Bur- uh, Burrell. Oh. 
There you go, oh. Doctor Burrell. So when uh, you know Riker's being uh, uh, questioned by Doctor Burrell, and and it's just it, it's funny on how how uh, on the information that uh, that he gives her, and just the reactions are classic. I love it. <laughs> Remind <laughs> I mean, our listeners what this episode is about. Okay, so this is the episode where um, Commander Riker gets injured um, during a reconnaissance missions, and basically he gets probed and they find out that he's not actually, you know, of the same species as they are. And, um, you know, this is a, I guess, a pre or pre, uh, yeah, con- pre con- first contact world. And this would be ten in a sense, technically the first contact, um, uh, for this culture. And, um, Oh yeah, that's right. Pre warp. There you go. Pre warp civilization. There you go. And, um, definitely, uh, he got injured and, yeah, and now there are all these questions and conspiracy theorists and doctors are, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. And, and he's trying to get out, obviously, and get back to his get back to uh, the ship and, and whatnot. But like he can't go anywhere because he's trapped <laughs> and it just sucks because um, I mean, it, like I said, everything a reconnaissance mission does happens it goes wrong. <laughs> so um, definitely um, one of those. Um, uh, I could totally see that happening here on Earth, uh, that someone finds an alien for some reason that looks like us, but not the internal plumbing and uh, definitely <laughs> uh, all kinds of like uh, uh, conspiracy things going on. What? Well, I've got Area 51 just north of me, north of Las Vegas. So we definitely see, well, I definitely see a lot of that (laughs) conspiracy. But no, I enjoy this episode as well. I like the interplay between science versus not accepting science, I guess you would Mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. And that really plays out quite well um, within this episode and very important in our day right now yeah like I mentioned it before like one of the, the first Star Trek action figure I had was uh, my parents bought me a Dr. Soong so not the most exciting of Star Trek toys as you can imagine um, and then one of the next toys I got was actually a Riker action figure from this episode so I had a Dr. Soong and a Riker in his little blue bathrobe with his bumpy forehead not the most exciting toys to play with uh, when you're practicing you know you're making your adventures on the bridge no, uh, it just reminds me of all the stuff that I went when I went down to Roswell and oh, wow, that place is wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, very you, much so. You talk about like, I mean, they say, I mean, I've heard, I heard lots of rumors before I went there that basically the only thing that's, um, the only reason why Roswell exists still is for the alien tourists <laughs> and wow. Yeah, they sell it. <laughs> oh yeah, like I, I went on an Area Fifty One too when I was in Las Vegas because I thought I'd like, I like it was one of those things I always wanted to do. Like I, I was always find the alien stuff quite funny and quirky, and I thought oh, like it'll be so good to go on this tour, be like filled with like these true believer aliens, and we'll, we'll spend this like journey as we go to the little alien and all these sorts of things, talking about alien conspiracies. And I was like in the car, I was like, so you guys like do you believe in aliens? And it's kind of like, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and I was like, oh man, it's gonna be like, the most boring twelve hours in the world. Like no one was wanting to debate the uh, thing so it was a, a long day from uh, Vegas to Area 51 and back again that's for sure but the oh, burger at the little alien was quite good 
Well, they uh, definitely chalk it up. There's a museum and uh, they have a 5K fun run that starts at midnight and you dress up in aliens and go for your little run and stuff. So I have yet to do it, but I have thought about it. But yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Talking to the people in the diners are really it, wow. Very interesting. Very interesting people. Very interesting stories. And they sell it. They really do. I, yeah. yeah. I, I give it to them. They need to do acting jobs or something like that because they're really good at it. <laughs> what, whether or not it's true or not, I don't know. But, you know, it doesn't seem like it, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. All right, Lee. Give <laughs> yeah, us my, your my, third. My final one is going to be um, Reunion. Um, yeah, it's it's not an unsung episode in a way, but I think there's a lot that can be somewhat unsung about it that I'm going to focus on. Behind the scenes, it's the first appearance of Bran and Braga behind the scenes as a writer on Star Trek The Next Generation. So something to be applauded, someone that would go on to be completely instrumental in the creation of Voyager, Enterprise, would write Generations and First Contact. And this is his like first episode and obviously joining with her, you know, a kind of formalized writing partner of uh, Ronald D. Moore. I think this episode, uh, yeah, it's a brilliant episode, but it's unsung for, for truly that respect that it's always good when you, you kind of look and think of kind of his career that he would be going, go on to be classed as the, the kind of the, the, the mad science guy, uh, the time travel guy. Like this episode is just like the kind of brilliant writing that kind of the next generation was really kicking out at that point um, it had gone from those kind of ropey first two seasons and then with kind of Ronald D. Moore coming on and then Brandon Braga Mike Pillar like to get someone like that and I think a lot of fans sort of look back on Brandon Braga and I think are often too critical of him like don't get me wrong like he did make mistakes on Voyager and Enterprise but I think he, he's a brilliant ambassador for Star Trek and um, I think when you watch him on especially the Enterprise Blu-rays uh, the documentaries I mean the guy just beats himself up he really kind of goes well we had this idea you know and he, he's very self-critical and I think that people can forget when they're kind of it's easy to tweet him going that episode was crap or Threshold was rubbish what are you thinking Threshold is brilliant I must remind people but um, yeah Brandon Braga is a, a true great ambassador for Star Trek and he's created so many amazing episodes and this was his, his first start there and it truly went on to be something of a quite a long career that he's had with Star Trek and it's good to see things are going so well for him outside of Star Trek as well just now so yeah it's, it's, we're lucky to have him in one episode to kickstart his uh, Star Trek career so yeah he's it may not be an unsung episode but he's an unsung hero I think to for his work and I think that episode kind of plays an important role in kickstarting that career see now this was going to be my second choice I, had, I thought the, you would yeah. put this on <laughs> so I was like no no no, no, no. I'll, I'll make this my my honorable mention because <laughs> I had a feeling either you or, or, or Amy was going to do it <laughs> but like yeah I, I actually love this episode uh, you know obviously another child actor again um, well he really doesn't get much screen time uh, any uh, for you know uh, for this but like yeah it's definitely um, one of my favorite episodes I mean um, we get to see um, you know the um, war for the family and uh, or well attempted of a family and it's just it's you know continuation of um, oh crap what is that episode what was the one that w- with Kayla again the, uh, the um, previous one emissary emissary that's right so obviously uh, you know uh, 
uh, continuation of Emissary, and uh, it's it yeah, it's it's one of my favorites of the seasons. So it really is. <laughs> Besides Redemption. Yeah. Well, I know why Lee chose it because we know that he, you, Lee, enjoy Ambassador Kalar, yeah. Susie Plaxon. <laughs> so, of course, uh, I was also going to pick this one too because I just, I love the whole uh, drama with the Klingons and Kempek and we get Gowron and Doros, you know, I mean, just so, so good. It's a great episode as well. Yeah, it's yeah. I think one day we'll have to do an episode on this little arc from emissary to sins of a father. You know, kind of the as I've mentioned before, Klingon politics is brilliant. That uh, it's been like a couple months now, and I still haven't got this um, Star Trek uh, Klingon CNN version kicking about. So hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, I was actually thinking the same thing, and it's like, yeah, we need to do this whole Klingon arc with Worf. So. Excellent. Great minds. Great minds. All right. Um, well, my third and final pick. Is it my turn? I forget. Yeah. Okay. Um, this one, again, I don't know that it gets a lot of love. And so I chose it for that reason is the nth degree. So the nth degree where uh, Barkley gets this power from the Sitherines. Sitherines. Something like that. (laughs) And um, he just, I think we see why I chose this episode. Oh, so anyways, let me finish with the synopsis. So then he hooks himself up to the computer because the people around him are being so slow and he can just fix the the array by himself. And when he does, he shoots the ship into the center of the Milky Way and there we find the intelligent aliens there. And... um, then his power is taken away and the ship is returned. So that's the nth degree. Um, And so why I like this episode is because I think we get to see, and we see it in a couple episodes, you know, throughout Next Gen and throughout Star Trek, just this philosophy of what is the real potential of the human brain? Like, what if all those little synapses were connected? Could we become this intelligent and, you know, working faster than a computer and stuff like that? So that is why. And it's a great Barkley episode. Yeah, I do love Barkley. He is pretty much the atypical Star Trek fan, and that's not an insult whatsoever, but I think we can relate probably more to him than probably these super intelligent, you know, superhuman characters that are littered throughout Star Trek. He's he's one of us, and sometimes that can maybe be uh, a bit uncomfortable, but I think he is the best representation of your, your, your typical Star Trek fan. Exactly. Yes, I agree. I vaguely remember this episode. Um, yeah. I don't have much feedback on this one because I, yeah, I don't remember it really. I mean, I, I know I've seen, I've probably seen it. Actually, I'm looking through it and I'm like, it doesn't click. Um, well, and then, and Barkley gets this like God complex, you know, and sort of turns out being mean to some people. You just don't know. And I know more than you and I'm going to take control of the ship and I work faster than you. And so we get to see how... Power corrupts absolutely, or what's that saying? 
Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Corrupts absolutely. Yes. So I think we can see that. But again, I just, I like that idea, that philosophy that, you know, what can the brain do if stimulated and connected, you know, I like it. Sounds like the, a lawnmower man. Yeah. <laughs> and also the episode, the nth degree, I mean, is mathematical in and of itself. So we have to love it for that. Yeah, well. I was expecting you to uh, give us a math lesson in this, but I guess, I guess. They're, oh, I remember this now. OK, I remember this now. Yeah. Oh, man, it's been a very long time since I've seen this one. Wow. Yeah. Right. Oh, you know, you've been now inspired to watch that when you're, yeah. you're kicking about. Huh. Yes. Interesting. All right. Well, I will, I will definitely um, watch this one uh, again because I feel, I don't know. I, there's some of these episodes I have just, uh, that, yeah, that, that's one of the, that's actually one of the very few episodes that I remember, but now I remember it now. So yeah. <laughs> well, I am very excited. We did not uh, double up Makes on any of them. Very I know, right? For <laughs> I first, one of definitely. my honorable mentions was used, yes. but that's as far as it goes. All right. Well, Lee, tell us your other honorable mention then. Uh, just simply Cupid for one reason. And it's, uh, everyone loves Cupid. It isn't an really? answer episode. I don't love Cupid. Well, <laughs> the reason I picked Cupid is it's the first episode of Star Trek at this point that is set in the uh, jolly old United Kingdom. So uh, good to see some representation of uh, the homeland there. Yes. Very good. Very good. Yep. Um, that, in my opinion, is... Uh, I. I don't know. I just, it's too silly for me, I guess. I what don't know. What you're trying know. to say is, I protest I'm not a Mary Earl Grey team member. <laughs> I protest. <laughs> She's not a Mary man. <laughs> oh, and then everyone, you know, the Troy outfit and, you know, it all. It's weird. Well, you don't like Vosh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of Vosh either. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. But I like the Q play of it and, you know, it's, they come together and rescue. And so it's, it's a fine Some episode. Some of the greatest quotes of Star Trek comes out. I'm not a merry man. Yes. <laughs> when he just smashes the mandolin as well. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Ah, better. <laughs> the arrow and oh, it's a classic. <laughs> All right, Richard, give us one of your honorable mentions. Devils do. Oh, yes. I was going to choose this one, but I was like, you know, there's so many more episodes that are uh, that are better than this one. Well, it's not really better. Just I mean, yeah, plays with, uh, you know, you know, what do we consider as, you know, the devil, God, whatever. And, you know, uh, treating your beliefs and everything. But like, yeah, it's a really good episode to, um, you know, definitely just uh, uh, to have fun with. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, it just kind of just like. You know, what if God or what if the devil was, um, you know, imaginary and just happens to be a, a being or something like that or whatnot or who who actually built the pyramids? I mean, come on, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. And um, yeah, it's just it's a, it's a really it's a re it's a fun. I think it's a fun episode, but, it, it, you know, at the same time, it's also, you know, it's very playful uh, uh, to mess around with those ideas. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I love Devils Do. It's it's great. It's super fun, and uh, and not to mention the costume. Oh yeah, yeah, we, yeah we did from talk life, about yeah. before. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, one of my honorable mentions is Half a Life. 
And this is the one uh, with Loxana Troy. And she falls in love with Timison, who is a scientist who's trying to save his world uh, from a star explosion, I believe. Um, but that's not the main point. The main point is that they have this thing called resolution. And this is voluntary euthanasia for those who are getting old. And how old is too old? A mere young 60. And I just think that, uh, well, and I watched MASH all the time. So Timison, who is, uh, uh, what's his name? Help me out. David, oh. None of us watched probably MASH, I don't know. <laughs> what? He's, he's in Dead Zone. That's oh, all there I... We go. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I watched a few episodes of MASH. Not many. (laughs) Charles Winthrop III or something like that. Anyway, oh my gosh, he was fabulous. So, um, and he hasn't aged at all. Because when I think about when MASH was on and now here we are, you know, with Next Gen, uh, he just looks amazing still. And... um, so I like that interplay of like, how old is too old? And, and it's in theory, a good idea. I mean, who wants to, uh, burden the young generation with all these aging and old people, you know? So, I mean, it's a weird and interesting concept to think about. Um, but the, the dynamic, uh, interplay that Luoxana and Timison have is just amazing. I think that's what makes the episode and their relationship. And it's really, really a great, great episode. And one other tidbit is that Timison's daughter, Dara, Dara, um, happens to be the first time we see Michelle Forbes, who we talked about with Ensign Rowe. So we get to see her, her, as an actor being introduced to Next Gen in season four before she picks up her role as Ensign Rowe. So you guys remember Half-A-Life? I do, yeah. It's an, it's a very sweet and tender episode. I know some people think look, Xana Troy episodes are automatically a write-off, but sometimes you get episodes like this and um, Forsaken, which really kind of hit the, the spot. And I think this is a, a lovely episode. It's certainly one that hopefully I don't get to uh, that age and start to feel redundant. Yeah, this reminds me... Uh Every time I watch this episode, uh, or at least hear about it or, or whatnot, um, I always think of Emanations from Voyager, because uh, it's, it's basically the same thing. Um, uh, if you're elderly, you know, disabled or whatever, they basically kill you, which, which means you're transported to a, basically a planet where your body um, basically deteriorates. So, uh, but it's a Voyager episode. It's a really good episode. Uh, definitely... Um, the same idea is like what I mean. Yeah, it, it unburdens the the youth uh, without the without caring for the old, which um, is a terrifying idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I just I, I I don't know. My dad's getting to that age where yeah, it's gonna it's uh, it's gonna get to the point where I'm gonna have to start taking care of him. But like it's it. I mean, I couldn't even imagine um, uh, something like that when I get older. <laughs> So, Richard, are you saying you need to enact resolution now? No, with I, need your to have more, I need to have more children <laughs> so they can take care of me. At least Jennifer's um, brother and sister, they have four kids each. <laughs> so, mm. plenty of children to take care of one person. <laughs> the patrons of Trek FM will look after you, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beats me, uh, being st- uh, stuck at a nursing home. <laughs> 
Ugh. Any other episodes on your list that you no, wanted to highlight? Are, yeah. There's so many sung episodes of season four that yes. it really was a struggle yeah. to find the unsung ones. So no, I'm I'm all good. Yeah, I, I don't have any more. I mean, reunion was was really the only one left, and we were very talked about it. So I yeah. mean, I mean, there are a lot of good episodes in this one that you know every you know everyone should be watching. Yes. Period. Yeah. And I think it's it's been interesting to see the transition of, you know, when we started this, like season one, season two, it's like there were so many episodes that uh, you see people complain about or don't like. And so then it's easy to find those unsung episodes. But then coming to the seasons where they're so good that every episode is memorable and and you can see that it is becoming a little bit more challenging for us. So I look forward to when we talk about season five because that's you know we've got next gen firing on all cylinders going by then so you know i actually just heard the um and this is not in the babel conference but i i i was listen or i'm not why why do i say listen it's not listen read (laughs) (laughs) so i read a, a a very interesting uh analysis of tng and they hated Every episode started from season three on. And I'm like, wait a second here. <laughs> it's like, you really like season, season one and two? I mean, that's really, like a clickbait article, doesn't it? No, no, yes. no, it was, no, it was a comment. Actually, it was someone commenting. And I'm like, what? That's crazy, Doc. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited for season five. <laughs> well, it has been fun talking about season four today. But it's not the only thing we've been discussing on the network. So here's a quick look at some of the other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, the orb. When Lieutenant Saru says, I sense the coming of death. They could be playing staying alive, staying alive in the background. And like, whatever, man. <laughs> BG Sam, staying alive. staying alive. Aren't you listening to the sound system on this bridge? Man, your bell bottoms too tight, boy. <laughs> that would be awesome if they had bell bottoms on the Discovery uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> Meta Trex. Garrick really typifies, personifies that snake-like way of kind of slithering around in the shadows, more subtle than any other character well, in the Star Trek universe. Plain, simple Garrick would be the first to say that the clothes make the Cardassian. <laughs> Primitive culture. A look at history and culture through Star Trek. This episode was actually banned by the BBC for many years. And they always said, I don't know if this is true, not so much because of the kind of allegorical significance of the episode, but because of this uh, single line in it where Data says, he basically says, oh, well, you know, the IRA basically achieved what they wanted in, I think, 2024. 2024, yeah. You know, it's uh, (laughs) coming up. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcast on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, 
in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's shows, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best places to join the larger conversation is in the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. We love interacting with our listeners there. So join the conversation. If you'd like to send us an email, we love those too. You can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Gray. That will come right to us. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. If you'd like to help keep all the shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all that details at patreon.com slash trekfm. So, Richard, where can people talk to you about season four? They can find me on the Babel Conference. Uh, it's where I don't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they can find me on the Babel Conference. Um, I do pop in there here and there, you know, obviously, you know, posting my pictures of my barbecue and whatnot. And same thing with my Father's Day fishing trip, which is going to be freaking awesome. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, but like, uh, yeah, definitely uh, you'll, you can find me there. And you can also find me at on at Twitter. Uh, on bleh. You can also find me on Twitter at xransom. And that's my handle. Great. Lee, tell us where we can find you. Yeah, you can find me at Lee underscore Nostromo at Star Trek VHS. And you can find me on the Babel Conference here and there. And you can find me on my other podcast, Filibuster, talking about nerd and geek culture. Yes. And I also am on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson. And but my favorite place is hanging out at the Babel Conference. And so you can find me there as well. All right. Well, this has been fabulous. Again, I am so happy that we all three are united once again. Um, So join us next week for another cup of Earl Grey. Today is a good day to die. I must protest. I'm not a merry man. (laughs) Great joy and gratitude. (laughs) 